You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable and fixed blade knives and game processing kits. Now, in my bag this year, I had the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit. It comes in a very compact, handy carrying case, and one handle has the replaceable blade knife and the gutting blade. The other handle has the saw that comes with it. So, I use the saw to split the pelvis, and I use the gut hook to open up the cavity and the blade to start cutting all the stuff out, right? So uh, it makes cleaning a deer very simple, very easy, and the the knife is sharp. And uh, if you've ever had to gut a deer with a dull knife, we all know how much that sucks. So um, take a look at the Razor Pro Saw Combo Kit and uh, head on over to OutdoorEdge.com and enter the discount code NATION30. That's NATION30 for 30% savings on your purchase. Heading deep into the backcountry requires a select list of purposeful items. Items that serve a profound reason for being there. When ounces add up to pounds, fluff and fillers are a no-go. Wild Spice Company brought the same mentality to their backcountry seasoning. A small selected list of the finest ingredients go into a sealed pouch that can be tossed in the pack. The telecherry peppercorns really add a delightful punch to a trophy cut of meat or even a dry freezed meal in the pouch. Visit wildspice.com or find the link in the show notes. Choose from any one of their great blends and use the code HUNTIVORE at checkout to save 15% on your order. Welcome to the Hunt of War podcast, powered by Sportsman's Nation, where we celebrate the hunting and fishing lifestyle through the utilization and consumption of our wild game. No egos. Fork in hand, beer in the other. No status. A piece of red meat on a hot grill and turn it into a burnt offering. Just catch it, cut it, cook it. This is episode 68. This is a primal cut highlight, wild turkey breast meat. Just to chat with Nick today, short and sweet about turkey breast meat, a favorite cut of turkey hunters and a delicious change-up from the dark and heavy meals of winter. Nick first explores why plucking your birds is worth your time, examples of roasting the whole crown, smoking and staking the lobes, and finishing off with how to get the most out of your inner tenderloin with a favorite recipe of his. All this to come on the episode of Huntable. Well, hey, good morning, folks. It is a 
beautiful morning. Only way I could get away to, to do some recording, to, to chat with you folks, is to get up right here at the butt crack of dawn and uh, pour a cup of coffee here. So, hey, good morning to you. How do you how do you want your coffee? Are you a straight black drinker? Or do you appreciate cream and sugar in yours? I like I like mine black. It's just simple. I like the the simple flavor of it. Oh I tell you. You get a whole new flavor profile on coffee when you when you let it set for just a minute. You get the, you let the heat get off of it. I mean, I still like hot coffee. It's still warm, but now you just get, you're not burning your mouth every time when it's straight out of the percolator. Okay. Back to the task at hand. So I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the seasons that are, that's coming up here soon. One that I myself don't partake in a whole lot for many, many reasons. Um, one, I got a full plate when it comes to being a a deer hunter, a small game hunter. Uh, just added angling and fishing to our repertoire because I can bring the boys out now and and have a good time. So that that does afford me some more time to go out and uh, get some get some panfish. But one season I haven't taken full advantage of is our turkey season. And it has really become popular here in these past couple of years. And people have really enjoyed chasing these turkeys, chasing these like large birds around the woods and the fields, getting close and being able to get that shot. And the reason I've I've not had a chance to do that is A, timing, um, B, just the amount of time that I have, and then C, I grew up on a turkey farm. So... When people talk about, oh, are you going to go get a turkey this year? It's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to where I've basically watched them be raised and had a hand in raising them, and that's that's how I'm gonna get my turkey there. It's I being a family business and just wanting to, I mean, just seeing the ins and outs of it. Like that's my that's my go to, and so that's uh. That's my piece. That's that's why I don't necessarily take on a full season of turkey hunting. Is that to say that I'm not going to someday go venture out, try to call myself in a wild tom, and be able to take a shot? By all means, that, that that's still in the works. That's still I'm still open to to doing that. And having a chance to work at this turkey farm, of course, I've got hunters that come in who would bring the turkey. And say, hey, can you help me prepare this? Can you help me make this into something that I can eat and present to my family? We we would basically smoke a bird for a hunter that would come in. Minimal charge. We bring him in. Um, it's one of those things that we tell the, the hunter up front. Hey, uh, do a good job of cleaning out the cavity. Do a good job at plucking because of the nature of the animal we are going to brine it, we are going to smoke it, we are not going to go through and pin feather and clean this up anymore. It has to, being being the wild product, we, we can't let that mix with our domestic rules. You got to love them. But anyway, so that's why on the front end, we're, we're trying to educate hunters on that 
you know what, taking a little extra time on your plucking is going to benefit your end result. Take a little extra time in reaching in and pulling out all of the the guts and the internals um, so that and then rinse that out so that doesn't end up in your your product when it comes back. Because if there is gonna be some off putting taste or you're not a you know, you're not a fan of all the, the little pin feathers that are on there, at that point as the as the domestic side, we couldn't do anything about that. That that's on you as the hunter. Uh, it always kind of boils back to, yes, you took the animal, but now you also need to prepare that animal for your plate the best that you can. So that's where my advocacy goes for uh, taking your time in plucking, uh, plucking your bird. What's nice about turkey is that it's got a really thick skin, um, not in the sense that you can call it names but in the sense that it really is physically thicker. Um, you've probably noticed this as turkey hunters. When you when you shoot your bird, you find that, man, a lot of those pellets didn't even break the skin. They got to get through that sheet armor of feather, those flight feathers on the side. And then if they did, per, if they did break through the flight feathers, man, they're now embedded into the skin because that's where the fat is. It's another layer of armor. And then finally, yeah, then the thick breast, uh, surrounding basically the front of that bird. There's just a lot to get through. Hence why you guys take headshots on these birds. Or with the with the bow, you're trying to put that in the pump room. And sometimes that's just that's just hard to do. I know my uh my good buds over here to the west of me here in Muskegon, uh the Bow Hunter Chronicle guys have talked about that exact uh, situation where they hit the bird, but it just seems like, man, there just wasn't the punch needed. And so John has gone off the full end making his uh, <laughs> his full turkey arrows, the hatchet with fletchings. We talked about that in an earlier episode last year, I believe. Um, But yeah, so I want to get into talk. We've, we've talked just a little bit about... um making sure that we pluck that bird. And it's a lot easier than waterfowl. Um, turkeys do have down, but at the same time, not near the waterproofness or the amount of teeny, teeny, tiny feathers that are on waterfowl. So it does make it a little nicer to clean. And that thick skin helps you from having to tear that skin completely off. Now, if you get ahead of yourself and you don't get a good pluck, and you end up grabbing too many feathers at one time, you can still tear that skin. I mean, it's not it's not steel here, folks. So going with one to two feathers at a time, having a good flick on that wrist as you pluck those, those feathers out. Uh, along the breast is going to be quite easy. Uh, the back is going to be a little more difficult. And then you get into the wings where you're having to deal with flight feathers. You're going to have to employ some pliers. Um, or a really good grip on being able to pull those flight feathers out. Culinarily, I would try to pluck the whole midsection, the legs, the back, and at least the first two sections of the wings. If I really wanted to get after the wings, which um, food-wise, it, it's in your favor. If you've got a, a wing and you've got time, Go ahead and pluck that sucker, at least to the first two sections. I would say if you want to afford yourself the time, the tip is not going to do too much for you. So being able to pluck all the way on out 
is going to be beneficial. And that's going to help you get the most out of your bird. This isn't, of course, unless you're going to have that, uh, the feathers and the skin, or the, yeah, the skinning with the feathers on. If you weren't going to have your bird mounted, um, I mean, at that point, yeah, you have to skin it, and that's that's the way it is. But if this is a full eater, I would pluck all the way out to that second digit of the wing. Um, and that's going to be another episode. It's where we talk about the wings. And I know I've already been a broken record on the legs and thighs. I really feel that uh, hunters are missing out by leaving those in the field. And going with just a simple smoke, uh, a brine and a smoke on those and some low, low slow temperature, you're going to find that those thighs are absolutely incredible. And that the, the drumstick, as sinewy as it is, Having that sucker shredded produces some of the most velvet meat that you're going to have on this bird. It's just one of those things that I've heard people talk about how when they cook a whole turkey that it's difficult to get the dark meat and the white meat to line up together. And that is correct. It's almost like two part, it's almost like two anim, two different animals here. Uh, the legs, they're made for endurance, they're made for running, whereas the breast meat is made for that power. They need the flight. And we've all seen turkeys fly. It's not necessarily graceful, but man, there's power in that. And that's where that white meat, it's very explosive. It's used for those short-term bursts, but at the same time, it needs a lot of power. So that's where that lighter meat, that white meat comes into play. And then the dark meat adds the endurance, the running piece that they're doing every single day. Every single day. So when it comes to cooking that, that's going to be that lower, slower style of heat. You do want to get it up a little bit hotter too, in the sake of like we're a brisket. You need to get it, you need to get it up to temp, and then it once it's up to temp, it's got to stay there for a little bit because you have to break down a lot of the collagen. You got to break down a lot of those connective tissues. Same thing with the leg and thigh. Is there's got to be a little bit of that uh, softening of that connection. Because if you take that drumstick and you just give that the time that it needs, you'll be able to shred that meat off the sinews. And that's, I mean, that's great pulled stuff for a sandwich. Um, when we make pulled turkey sandwiches, if they come off the drumstick, yeah, it's like we, we call it a sloppy tom at that point. You pull all off, pull that meat off, add a little barbecue sauce, and man, good to go. On a little King's Hawaiian roll, can't get any better than that. So I feel like we've talked a lot about at least the dark the dark meat side of it, and I've been a huge advocate to try and get people to pull those out of the woods. So today I'm going to focus a little bit on the breast, that there's a lot that can be done with the breast of, of that turkey, and um, a couple things that maybe you would like to employ when pulling the breast off of your bird as you get it here in the future, because seasons are about, they're just right around the corner. I mean, if you're not out patterning your gun right now, you might really, really want to think about it. So anyway, I'll let you worry about patterning that gun and finding where old Tom is resting. And when you finally get him, that's when we can come back to this episode. Because now that your bird is on the ground, I do want you to take the time, gut the animal, pluck the animal. It is going to take a, It is going to take some effort. It is going to take one of those things that's not going to be done in the first 10 minutes and you're going to have to spend some time doing it, I would say it is time well spent. So you've got that bird 
you can either keep it whole, which again, roasting a whole wild bird is going to be difficult because we just talked about how they have two different type, two different types of meat, dark and white. So I find that basically taking or serving that animal as two different things is going to be helpful. You can leave both breast halves together in a large roast doing a whole bone-in breast that I refer to it as, or I've heard other people call it the crown. And at that point, you're basically finding where that breast bone ends, where you've actually gutted the animal out the, the backside. And then what you can do is just continue that cut of the sides, just following the rib cage down and then separating that off the top, um, disconnecting just above the wings. That's that's going to give you your crown. And that's the two halves of the the breast there, two lobes connected by the keel bone. That is a wonderful springtime roast. Um, I can't think of anything better than that, like a bone-in breast for like an Easter dinner. Um, and as we start to have, be able to have more people around and um, the vaccine is, is getting out to everybody for COVID, like egg gatherings are, are becoming a thing again. Um, being able to have like a nice roast that can feed 10 to 12 people, that's what that crown can do. Um, on a bigger tom, yeah, you definitely, and then you have room for seconds. Um, what's nice about that is that if you apply a gradual, or you, you, you apply a gradual heat, you know, you, if, through a roasting, uh, roasting in the oven, go high for like, you know, 350 for that first that first uh, 30 minutes to an hour and then turning it right back down to 275. You've blasted heat onto this and then slowed it way down. That initial heat shock is going to then hit the meat and it's going to start to work its way down in. And then turning it down, you're not continuing to over amplify the heat to the outside of the bird. It's just going to continue that slow penetration down into the inside till you can get to your... 155 ish uh for for a uh <clears throat> a finishing temperature well a, an end temperature because then you're going to rest it afterwards one thing with white meat it is super lean all the fat is on the underside of the skin of a bird and a lot of times that's not super thick there's not a whole lot of fat to these uh the athletes that are out there but that powerful breast meat that's in there is super lean so giving it heat and then backing it way down and then finishing that and then uh, finishing that cook at like 155 or even 150 and giving then the the roast a chance to rest let that um internal climb it's going to climb that carryover heat's going to climb up anyway so then let it finish either you know shut the oven off and let it finish in there or pull it on top and just let the roast do what it's supposed to do for maybe 30 minutes. That's going to also take the moisture that's in there and let that work its way back throughout the breast. If you were to just to pull it out and start cutting at that, you're going to leach all of your moisture out and you're going to end up with super dry meat. And then people are going to talk about, oh yeah, see, turkeys are dry. They're tasteless, yada, yada, yada. We we got we to treat it like it's the awesome piece of meat that it is. So basically hard hit on the roast and then turn it way back down and then let it rest. That's if you were going to go with the oven. 
um, if you're going to go to the smoker, I'd say just just like you would a brisket. In fact, if you take a look at a lobe of breast meat, if you were to then off that crown, cut the, off the keel bone and just lay out that you have <laughs> basically the you you have the two halves of the you have the point and the I can't think of the other part of the brisket. But anyway, the flat, that's what it is. You have the flat and the point. The shape almost looks like a brisket from a beef just on a very very small level. Take that, throw that out and do, give it your same treatment that you would a brisket. Brine it, either dry brine or wet brine. Put it out onto uh, onto your smoker. I appreciate hickory on turkey, but at the same time, any fruit wood was going to be really good. I did knock down a mulberry tree last spring, and so I'm finally getting to the point now where I'm going to start chunking that up and using mulberry in some stuff. So I'm excited to see how that works out. But anyway, adding that smoke and watching and watching temperature, but add that smoke to it and then slowly let that come up to temperature, rest it, and then add your slice. And then you'd be able to have amazing smoked breast meat. I tell you, whether it's wild or domestic, smoked turkey is a dang good thing to have. Either hot off the, the smoker at that point or even the day after on a sandwich. That's a really good way to go. So that's the whole piece at that point. If we're taking it and we're then wanting to do individual meals, um, I know it's been talked about a lot, at least like with the uh, schnitzel or pounding out. I, I call them turkey steaks at that point where you chunk out a piece of meat. So maybe cut out an inch of an inch slab and then take that inch slab and then maybe cut that into half. So now you have a small piece of steak a uh, piece of plastic underneath and on top, and then use a meat mallet to bang it out. At the at the domestic site, at the turkey farm, we use um, a large tumbler. Basically, we put in 50 pounds of meat into this large paddled drum and set that to spin, and it just spins those things around, and it basically does the same thing of a mallet, but times 50 pounds. So it just takes that and then we end up cubing it. So now I pull it out of that drum and then I run it through a cuber and it perforates that. So you just get maximum, um, tenderization for those. They are fork tender. You may not have that equipment at your house, but you either got a meat mallet or you have a nice cast iron pan or a skillet. I have a 14 inch that actually is overkill. So I don't use the 14-inch. That's like a workout in itself. But my 10-inch skillet works awesome for being able to take a piece of meat out onto the counter at, you know, plastic above and below and being able to bang that out flat and tender. You know, you take that inch and you bring it down to an eighth and it spreads it out quite a ways. And that is a piece of snitchel snitchel then or a turkey steak that it is ready to hit either a super hot grill or be breaded and put onto uh, into some oil and a pan. I really like the unbreaded side as well. So going with just the simple recipe of I'll take zesty Italian dressing and pour that into a bag and then have those turkey steaks in there, seal that up, roll it around, and let just the dressing do the work. 
it's only going to be about 10 to 15 minutes. You have really increased the surface area of that piece of meat, and that acid that's in that dressing is going to go to work any longer than that 15 minutes, and it's going to start to really disintegrate it, and it's going to fall apart. It's going to get real mushy. Um, So don't overdo the dressing on those uh, steaks. About 10 minutes is what you're going to need. While that 10 minutes is going, you're either getting your coals fired up or you're at your your gas grill and you got that sucker preheating already. It is literally minutes that you then open that bag up, pull out that piece of steak that's just been in that dressing, lay it on your hot grill two minutes, maybe three minutes at the most. Flip that sucker and let just finish the other side, and you're going to see that thing turn a brilliant white. There's going to be a stark contrast between the, the grill marks that are on there and the, the super white meat. Serve that with asparagus. That is springtime in a nutshell. That is one, one recipe that I really like. It doesn't, you don't have to go through all the breading of uh, being able to then flour it, egg it, and then into the breadcrumb, but just that, that dressing really enhances. I know that if the, a long soak in, a, in an ad- a dressing like that can overpower, but just that 10 minutes really does enhance the flavor of that turkey. And I, I would go to say that for your wild turkey, that would just make all those notes pop. And I think people would really appreciate that at one of your meals. Just wanted to take a time out and say thank you to the listeners for tuning in. It really does mean a lot. I would also appreciate that if you haven't already left a rating or review uh, to go ahead and do that. It all helps folks find us and get on board using and enjoying their wild game more. Feel free to chat with us and ask questions either on Facebook, The Huntivore, or Instagram at Huntivore. Got a recipe you think is dynamite and want to share? Or have some show topic ideas? Email us at huntivore at gmail.com. For even more hunting and fishing podcasts by real, relatable sportsmen, head over to Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, which happens to be a 2% for conservation company, who give 1% of their earnings and 1% of their time helping out the wildlife and wild places we all love. Now, back to the show. The second thing I want to talk about is not going to be in necessarily the breast lobe itself, but the tenderloin. And that is, if you've ever taken apart a bird, you make your cut down the keel bone, you follow the rib cage, and you fillet that that big piece of meat out. And on the inside of that lobe, you're going to find a narrow, long piece of meat. Uh, it's quite small in size. But you can actually peel that out, and it's 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 tubular in shape, and I refer to it as the tenderloin. And that piece of meat, you want to talk about lean? That is exactly what that piece of meat is. It is the most leanest piece of meat on that bird. Inside of that meat, excuse me, inside of that tenderloin, one end has a very thick tendon um by the way that i've actually as i've taken apart birds i'm looking at it there's like the the breast lobe just the way things attach 
it looks like the breast lobe is that downward pull muscle. And looking at the way that this is attached, this looks like this is the muscle that then pulls the wing up. So we've got the two inverse that are working here, or at least like this muscle helps stabilize. It might even be like that flight muscle that allows them to pivot their, uh, their wing back and forth. But anyway, it's like a secondary muscle. So it does get worked, but it's just super lean and has that thick tendon on the one end. So what I'll do on that piece is nip off that thick tendon because it, it does dissolve into uh, that piece of meat as far as it flares out. And pulling out as much of that tendon is going to help you use the rest of that piece of meat. I'll even like nip off the other like little corners uh, around where that tendon is at. You know, nothing's going to go to waste here. You know, waste not, want not. So be able to get all the meat off of that piece of tendon, toss the tendon, keep the, the little nips on the other side. I mean, after a bird, yeah, four of those, and you just kind of put them together, there's, there's some nuggets right there that could have eventually be breaded and fried. But going back to that piece of tenderloin, I am going to employ that you go with a marinade, something a little longer with that piece of meat. Now, a marinade is only going to work in like a quarter inch uh, into the meat. It's not going to permeate very, very thick. Even, you know, with a couple days, it's it's still going to just only going to go at about a quarter inch. So at most, you're going to want a half inch thick, a half inch thick piece of meat where you're going to be able to permeate both sides, go in a quarter inch, that's going to give you your half. So what I'll do is take that tenderloin and I then score that piece of meat longwise. And I will actually run my blade the length of that uh, tenderloin, kind of almost bisecting the remaining part of that tendon and laying this thing out uh, like a book. Or we refer to it also as a butterfly. And you're just going to basically want to open up those butterfly wings so that it lays flat. That's going to increase your surface area. Perfect for being able to throw together a, uh, a marinade for then you can then take that to the grill or to the oven. I mean, being springtime, it, this is grilling season now. It has opened up. So everything that I have is going to be going to the grill. So taking that uh, cut, all the way down, having it flat and going into a marinade, I have found, and this is through not only other shows that I have been watching, but um, I'm trying to think of, the. there's one on Netflix. It's not the one that we're all thinking of with Steve Rinella, but it's another cooking show where this woman goes around and goes to different parts of Mexico, and they end up at one place using turkey and the amount of not only peppers that were going in big beautiful uh, bell peppers were going into this thing but the amount of citrus they were having lemons and limes and uh, oranges go into this pot that then they were then going to be cooking this turkey and just thinking about how well like as I'm watching the show and then you know light bulbs going on that Man, citrus goes so well with turkey. It really brings bright notes uh, with with turkey that really has some some flat notes. It's not it's not tasteless, but it's just 
it's mellow. And so to bring that brightness in, it just makes things work on both ends. So why do you think lemon pepper is so popular with chicken and with turkey and stuff? It's because of, yeah, it's the lemon that adds to that. Um, so adding like a lemon pepper marinade. I want to say that I have an article that I wrote on the Sportsman's Nation. I will double check that and I'll try to throw that in the show notes. But using a lemon pepper marinade on that tenderloin is going to really help make that meat just sing. It's also with that marinade, it's going to give you, it's going to widen that, oh, that uh, window for really overdoing the outside of it. Treating that just like you would a thin piece of meat that's going on the grill, just a couple minutes on one side, flip it over a couple minutes, move it off direct heat, get it off to the side of the grill and says an indirect, a probe thermometer is going to be key to this. You want to get it right up to that 150, 155, and then you'll be done. Let it rest. Let it, let it rest. Let it rest. And that is going to be an awesome way to prepare those tenderloins. You know, we, we covet those things. We cherish those things when it comes out of a bigger game, out of our elk or out of our uh, whitetail or out of our mule deer or wherever you're getting your tenderloins from. You, like Those are your things that you really like want to share with others or with your family and, and get a chance to use those. Why not do the same with your wild turkeys tenderloins as well? Well, hey, here I am at now an hour when I said this was going to be a short episode. So I've started us out on just the white meat there. The lobes, great for smoking, great for roasting, or even to chop into, into smaller steaks, pound them out, and be able to throw those on the grill. Uh, if you go with a dressing, a high acidic count on your, on your uh, quick marinade, only give it like 10 minutes. If you're using that tenderloin, going with a longer marinade, using uh, something that's citrusy, something that's fresh, something that's light, that's going to accompany that turkey very well. So yeah, that's probably like things all summed up in, uh, in a nutshell. So folks, whatever you're doing with uh, preparing for your turkey that you're going to get, whether that be uh, choosing to take it with archery equipment or patterning that shotgun, it's when you walk up to that turkey that you want to make sure that your knife is sharp.